Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports and you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football and Off The Ball brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sports and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106, tweet us at Off The Ball. Listen across the country on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels also as well for Periscope and Twitter at Off The Ball, YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app. Delighted to be joined in studio by the League of Ireland legend, Graham Gartland, the football correspondent of the Irish Independent, Dan McDonnell and on the line shortly as well by the former Republic of Ireland striker, David Connolly. We were calling Graham uh, League of Ireland legend because we were having this row I don't think you are even here a row. I, was, I don't think I was here for the row because I called him a league and an FAI Cup winner no you didn't you called me an FAI singular you went, <laughs> yeah. and FAI Cup winner as opposed to FAI Cups yeah yeah. So yeah, that's why we well, had to change the intro show so. me your medals basically yeah, it was no, really, really, no. Really, yeah, and then yeah. what happened was the, the, he stitched me up because he then he went and what did you win Lauro Lauro went like five leagues and European, <laughs> yeah, the European and, Cup and all that kind of and thing and then so. my FAI Cups just Faded into the background very quickly. We're watching Everton against uh, Crystal Palace here. Goalless Man City and Brighton as the other three o'clock game. Liverpool had been beaten 1-0 by Nottingham Forest. Dan, that was a shock. Yeah, no, it is a shock. Um, there's no other way of describing it. Um, I suppose it shows that, like, it's funny. If, if, if that game had been a half-five today, what would we have been talking about? as regards to Liverpool today. I know they got away with one during the week, the penalty and stuff, you know. You like, would have been saying consistency, yeah, they're back. You would have started, like, oh, you analyse last Sunday and, and like last week on the show, like, you know, when David Myler was tweeting it last week, where's Johnny now after tipping, like, you know, <laughs> Liverpool to be done by four or five by Man City. But in saying that, in defence of Johnny, like the fact that they've gone and lost against Nottingham Forest today shows that something isn't isn't right. That's the reason Johnny is not here, by the yeah, way. We, yeah, yeah. Because he got it wrong. We said you, you can't come back. I have, Every, I, everybody's I calling have a Johnny feeling, out. I have a feeling in his defence, he might have had a little um, bet responsibly, but he might have backed Nottingham Forest today, Johnny. You know, um, right. he's, he's taking his opinion here. Okay. Um, Martingale. Um, but I think it's the thing that, and it's funny, I, I, I don't know, you can equate it to scenarios. I can probably... I think a closer to home you think of like when Dundalk were on the downgrade but they're still a good player so they can produce really good results at like the cup final in 2020 mm. like they did a job on, on Shamrock Rovers that day like Liverpool like produced a great performance against City that shows yes they have great players but there's something not quite right like consistency when you leagues it's not ability mm. like ability obviously gives you the ability to challenge but consistency is what allows you to win them and Clearly, something isn't right. I think the uh, I didn't see all of the game today. I saw a good part of the game today, and it seemed like Forest were bad on set pieces and troubled by set pieces. But in general play, they were just happy to. The game was ahead of them a lot of the time, you know, and, and Liverpool weren't really hurting them. And again, you know, I know you can. There was chances missed and stuff, and you can overanalyze a game to death. One game. But it's part of a greater theme Pattern, of you know yeah. drop points, and it's going to cost them. Well, it's going to—they're not, they're not going to win the title, as we know. Uh, no. Five three one six lifelong Liverpool fan, and no surprise with that result. Always the way, one hundred percent up for the top four. Play like strangers against anybody else. Abject lack of real squad depth and constant injuries need long-term solutions. Top four out of reach, and the sell to buy policy is outdated. Pretty damning text from our texter there. Five three one six. Sell to buy policies, you know. Sell to buy policy. 
No, um, I wouldn't say they'd sell the boy. No, I wouldn't I? The, the, the lads they brought in, they've managed the, the players that they brought in. They kept a hold of this time. Yeah, it's been an element uh, of like yeah, you know letting exactly. Mane go and, and sort of yeah, I suppose there's an element. Mane is the only one big one that has left in the last while. Before that was Coutinho, but they, they reinvested that money back into Allison and, and Van Dijk, and you can't see Van Dijk or Allison leaving. So uh, I wouldn't probably agree with that side of it. But I understand what he's saying. Like you said, it's like a boxer, isn't it? But that last boxer going out and having a good performance but you know he's never going to maybe get to the levels he was at before and it's similar with Liverpool they can do it in a one-off game uh, against Man City and it was an excellent performance but they just like they've eight shots off target today like which is just a lot like you know what I mean they're not hitting the target as much and working goalkeepers as much as they should 32 crosses in the game but nothing to show for it uh, and again they just give up soft goals and that's that's an issue with them where how many times this season have they given away the first goal? A yeah. lot more so than they have done in any other season under Klopp. So, um, yeah, it's I can't see them. Obviously, the title's out of reach, but I can still see them maybe getting top four. Yeah, I mean, it was a bad goal to concede, but it is classic of a team that's that's off colour. You know, uh, not a, an amazing cross, but even the slow reaction when the ball comes off the post, there was just a sense that. They're just not tuned in. They're just not 100% switched on. And as I said, you can always do the scoreboard journalism thing, find the result and then find the argument to suit that, you know, to suit an argument around it. But really, I don't think they were desperately unlucky today. They, I mean, Forrest, in a way, some of their set-piece defending in the last 10 minutes was horrendous. And, and Liverpool really should have scored and Henderson made some big saves. But across the piece, across the 90 minutes, they earned their points. Yeah, a lot of young players in the team you've got Fabio Carvalho Harvey Elliott uh, Curtis Jones players that are going to be probably very very good and at times can be good but just at this level to be winning what how many over 30 games yeah it's a consistency of performance that that, that the young players need to get uh, and it does take a while to build that up because you're learning on, on the job basically from a young player's point of view um, I Klopp touched on that and said like we can't keep going out and, and matching the spending power of other clubs we have to put young players in and let them basically learn on the job and build that and obviously I, I thought Harvey, I thought Elliot last season started the season so well and obviously got that bad ankle injury against Leeds um, and Klopp has shown so much faith in him because since he's come back he's involved him straight away Cavalio coming in from Fulham looks like he's going to be one for the future too but again it's just they haven't got that consistency and they're probably, you know, even the experience in tight games to know how to be relaxed and chasing a game. That's something that Liverpool always had. They had an intensity, but a relaxedness about knowing that they were always going to get back into the game. And you've seen that even even going into the Brighton game when they went to, when they were down, you thought that they're going to come back. But ultimately, when it went to 3-2, you didn't trust them that they were going to actually see out the game when, when they got in front. And that comes with maybe experience as well um, and experience at vital times in games. Let's hear now from Jurgen Klopp who is speaking to BT Sport after the 1-0 defeat by Nottingham Forest at the City Ground. I can kind of explain the result not, to be honest, um, because I never saw a game where one team has not sure, four or five no-brainers from a set-piece where we have to have to finish it off. Um, the way they defend, we were perfectly prepared for that and um, we had always a free play. I don't know, Bobby first half, um, virtually I think two times, three times, I'm not sure. So um, there you have to, yeah, 
actually put the game to bed, to be 100% honest, because the goal they concede is a big mistake from us. Where we lose the ball, give them the free kick, and then it's that can happen around set pieces, how we saw in all other situations as well. Apart from that, all the chances they had, we gave them because we played in the first half just too often. Um, um, yeah, wrong passes in the center. We didn't want to do that, but it happened anyway. We saw, and always when we when we used to wing, uh, then they were open because they closed the center that much. Little underlaps were possible on the wing, crosses, passes, everything was possible from there. Um, and so, but that it's not will not be a free-flowing performance. Uh, it was pretty clear before the game, and uh, we had to make really late changes and in general a lot of changes. And um, and then it's it's a game where which you have to win. By pure, purely doing the right stuff again and again and again, and, and, and obviously we didn't, and that's why we stand here and lost the game. And we've been talking about consistency throughout the season. It's hard to believe that a side that could beat Manchester City in West Ham and then put, put that performance today. That's that's not yeah. the consistency. No, it's our situation had nothing to do with that. But now, of course, you're right with consistency. But we have six days with a really with a really limited squad playing three games, high intense games. But the first one was City, which is super intense. Um, and then um, you have to go full full distance in midweek and and then uh, Saturday again. Um, and that's just that's how it is. We cannot change that, and we, you have to fight through. That's what we do. But. Um, Result-wise, we should have had showed consistency today because um, we cannot. You cannot show consistency when there's absolutely no chance for consistency with the players you can line up. But result-wise, we could have had it by just finishing the situations off. And again, on to Amsterdam next with not barely a time for a breath. Yeah, yeah but that's nearly holiday because we play now on Wednesday. Um, so that means Sunday, Monday, Tuesday to recover and and, and prepare them for Amsterdam, of course. I hope uh, one, two, three players will come back. Uh, then we can make changes again. But um, that's that's how it is. So it's the situation. And some credit to, to Nottingham Forest to know the, the, the endeavour yeah, they, they showed. Fight, but it's it's Premier League. They are all good and they are all fight. But um, having giving a team six clear-cut chances after a set piece, I'm not sure where I should now put the praise on, to be honest. Um, the things we did, they're, they're, they're a great team. Steve is a fantastic manager, really. So what they do is, but for us today, we have to win here. Done. But we didn't. So credit to Nottingham, but in the situations, there was the goal was us against the goalie or us against ourselves and not us against Nottingham Forest. So because... Um, Nobody defended Bobby in these moments, nobody defended Virgin in these moments, we're just free. But we didn't use it. So if we use all of them, then you ask a different question. Thanks, Jurgen. Thank you. Jurgen Klopp speaking to BT after Liverpool lost 1 0 to Nottingham Forest in the early game. Everton, their great rivals on Merseyside, have scored 1 0 against Crystal Palace and a great goal. Dominic Convert Lewin's first of the season, lads. Yeah, it was Graham was admiring. He called it after the first touch from Calvert Lewin, but we were talking about Gwehi, the defender. The position he was left in. Yeah, he just ends. He's on his way forward as the ball's played across, and he, Calvin Lewin's first touch is unbelievable. He just knocks it down the side of him, runs the other side, and collects it. But he buffs him as as he's done it. So there's no recovery from Gay, and then it's a wonderful finish. Is that his first goal of the season? Yeah, first as well? goal. He hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been involved yeah. because he's been injured. But uh. oh, he just took it so well. He, like he, like you said, his first touch sets him up so well. But then his calmness in his finishing was brilliant. That's what Everton obviously lacked goal scoring uh, because they sorted the defence. Cody and Tarkovsky good signing. Seamus Coleman playing today and captaining the side. Uh, Manchester City nil, Brighton nil in the other game in the Premier League. Uh, Chelsea against Man United at half five. Got a text in here on five three one zero six. 
Uh, just about Liverpool first. Curtis Jones is a championship player at best. Liverpool need a whole new midfield. Another one. Uh, the game is still won in midfield and Liverpool has got an ageing, leggy and injury prone midfield, says Brian. Yeah, Thiago not involved today. And uh, hi, John. Uh, Ronaldo absolutely destroying his legacy at Man United as a fan since the mid-80s. I was very worried of him being brought back as his age. He's completely taken the glass off a properly good performance against Spurs, completely behind Ten Hag and what he's done so far and how he's dealt with Ronaldo, says Damien and Wexford. Doesn't um, feel that his, his legacy is... Uh, being painted in the best way by himself at the moment I don't think his legacy is like married to just Manchester United yeah. obviously with what he's gone on to do at, then at Real Madrid he's probably more successful there um, and then obviously goes to Juventus too so it's not just the Man United legacy um, like we said we were talking about it before we read an article about like obviously he's gone through stuff as well personal stuff and, you, and that side of it but yeah he lost his son yeah oh yeah I always felt there was a petulance in Ronaldo early doors as well when he first came into the Premiership at times and you can see a little bit of it now. Um, is he being disrespected? He's been asked to do what he's what he's paid to do. Come on when you're meant to come on. Um, does the manager need to deal with him a little bit better because he's Ronaldo? Maybe. Maybe there's an, there's an argument for that as well. But if you're asked to do something by your club as the manager, you, you have to do it. And if he's asked to come on and he doesn't come on, it's, it's, a, it's a lack of... So like a sort of respect for your teammates as well at times and, and then even going, leaving the game, you're like, right, but give him a bit of leeway in terms of what he's gone through and dealing with that. But in that side of it, there was something like that was always in Ronaldo. He's, that, he's, he's egotistical, he carries it well. In fairness, it's what made him probably the greatest player in the world at one stage and his record in front of goal is fantastic. But there is an element of, right, you know, how does he get the boy into the team but not be the main man in that team? Have you ever had experience see that like a player just refuses to come on? No, I can't remember ever seeing it. No, I, 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 like I've seen fallouts. There's been massive fallouts with with managers, and I worked with maybe a manager that wasn't sure about like voicing his opinion in terms of like Dan would know him well, Paul, Paul Doolan. Yeah, and I've seen massive blowouts where you're like, well, you've seen lots of broken teacups, have you? I've seen, yeah, I've seen, yeah. I remember one altercation with Tony Borg. Remember Tony Borg? Yeah, I do. Well, striker, yeah. Well, striker. We signed him. Uh, we was at Trotter when we came, and him and Paul just didn't get on. Um, and there was a big row there in the canteen, and I was like, oh, I wasn't stopping Tony. Tony was a big man. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I've never seen that where it's like I'm not, I'm not going on to play. Uh, it's like if and if if you had the player like in the teams you were in the players would have said like listen what are you doing here uh, but again Ronaldo's the most experienced player in that dressing room the most successful player in that dressing room who's going to say to him what are you doing you know they miss somebody in the leadership like Giggs Keane uh, Neville and stuff to say listen that's not how you do things here yeah I think like the week has, has probably worked out great for Ten Hag though like I know that people. Um, and I saw some people complaining yesterday. Oh, it's a, you know, it's, it's a joke. You know, they they were brilliant the other day. Um, we haven't even discussed Spurs being terrible yet, JD. We're getting a nice break from that from from your perspective. It's company like, day, hasn't he? They, 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 <laughs> I'm they, going tomorrow, yeah. so I'll, be, I'll I'll text you at half six tomorrow yeah. and see how we go. Yeah, well, listen, there's so many games at the moment. The well, story changes every yeah, three well, days. But like Ten Hag, you know, is in a situation where this Ronaldo one is tricky. Yet he's got credit in the bank, you know, so he can deal with it with a little bit more authority. Like people are complaining. Well, why is the whole press conference taken up by Ronaldo? 
he's the biggest name in it's world football. It's an entertainment football, business. And he's walked off and he's left the stadium. Like, it's a massive story. Unfortunately, you don't... Tanak doesn't get to talk about his great performance in the way he might have liked to. But still, like, you can sense the mood, the public mood there amongst the sort of... The, the Ronaldo fanatics is a bit like, this one's hard to defend. Like, this one's pretty much impossible to defend. Um, I, I don't think there's any defence for it, really, at all, you know? Um like he, he knows his status and like in saying that there's a bit of sympathy for him too in the sense that he's never lived a normal life you know since he's like 16 17 years of age he's never known normality he's probably never known a sort of a an accepted and standard also, and also he had a very tough upbringing like with the washing machine on the, yeah, on the roof no, and stuff yeah no I get that yeah no like, and his father like terrible, no, of, course, of course of course John but I mean I would I mean I'm not downplaying that in any way but like I'd say there's hundreds of players in professional football who have difficult backstories and have come through a degree of adversity but there's an element of how you conduct yourself and how you carry yourself that like it's if he's 19 versus if he's 30 well 37, 30, 37 yeah. there's, there's a slight difference I think so I, I think because we were so familiar with his story there's maybe more of a rush to defend and because he's a legend and like I mean like Graham would know this and everyone you know, every sports person you talk to, they speak about the end. Like, it's tough. You know, the, the, the end is difficult. And, like, your whole identity is your power. Maybe the bigger the star you are, maybe the harder to fall in some ways. And there's pride, there's a lot of things. Like, he's been the number one, and now he's not the number one. And he's reacted in the wrong way. And he's, he's, he has... His legacy will be fine in five years' time. Yeah. But just in the in the here and now, like he's, you know, he's he's lost a battle, you know, and Ten Hag, in some respects, I think he's been strengthened yeah, by Ronaldo's yeah. actions. There's a lot to be said for going back. I don't know, if, if, and the viewers might know better than me in terms of has anyone really gone back to a club where they've been that successful at and then being really successful again? I don't know of many. I, I can't think of any off as the top a player. Of, yeah, yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head where. They've gone back and done what Ronaldo's done in his career, left United in his pomp, gone to Real Madrid, won ridiculous amounts of European Cups, gone to Juventus and then come back and you're expecting that he's a different player to what he left. But Jurgen Klinsmann came back to Spurs, but that, we're talking about like, 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 Teddy Sheringham came back to Spurs, Robbie yeah, Keane yeah, done yeah. it. You go back to uh, Rush and Aldridge, right? You know, back Rush was probably yeah. the one. Rush, you know, Rush yeah. should be the one. Sorry, Aldridge did, didn't come back. Did yeah. he? No. He Mark Hughes, Rush, at Rush was the one that he left. He came back. Like, there's a, there's a handful. Mark Hughes, man, you're not a good example. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A, there you go, John. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there's a few, but there's not many that you think. That's a good question. Listen to that. Five three one zero six. The best comeback: a player who went to a club, left, and then came back to the club and was a raging success. Yeah, mm. it's a good one, isn't it? It is a good one. It's, it's a tough thing to do, but... Um, How long have you gone away for, John? I could do that. Three weeks. Three uh, weeks. You want yeah. me to step in to that? So. Uh, well, you know. Whatever we'll <laughs> we'll <laughs> <to> your <laughs> medium, Greg. <Right? laughs> <laughs> 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 An RG last night. I'm lining up everything. I'm expecting to see him on Nationwide at some stage yeah, during yeah. the week. Crime and, uh, call. I'll be on yeah. crime call. Gar- Graham Gartland's guide to Dublin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Ronaldo walk-off says one of our texters is an employment issue first and foremost he's basically been paid hundreds of thousands he's unwilling to show up for a few minutes work it's a sackable offence for anybody else in any form of job says Jane and Tume yeah but this again football is just a different animal to, to normal uh, work and life you know um, but yeah I, like again we were t- like I agree with Dan it's that he's not the main man in the dressing room he's not the talent has left know? the body 
Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Like, I, I think I still think you put him in goal. I, I, I front, put him in front of goal. I, I still think you'll score. Maybe with a team that plays in a different style. Yeah, because exactly. United are all about intense pressing at the moment, and that's why they were and a counter attack team. And he's yeah, probably not yeah. in that thing. But if I think if you had a team that were going to build and have a sustained possession and pressure, where it, you know you're and dealing with crosses, cutbacks, and stuff. Style, yeah, yeah. I think he, I think he'd, he'd fit a team like that. Yeah. yeah, it's just like it's an incredibly selfish act, and there's no way. Like, I mean, it was a brilliant performance, like a team performance. It was a great night by the looks of it. The stadium was hopping, and you, you, as I said, it's not. He's someone who's known. He has to watch every step that he does yeah. during his life. He knows where the cameras are. He knows they're going to follow him. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So it's see on his of, ego, Dan. Like see the way, like his ego and the way he carries himself. That's probably what drove him to make make himself the best player in the world course, you yeah. know so in that side of it, it's a double edged sword that's what's seen it's that other side of his ego now where it's like I'm still I'm I'm not the main man I'm not getting game time I want to play he's shown a real hunger that he wants to play in fairness for a 37 year old it's fantastic but for what made him great that ego now is spilling over to what's what's hurting him as well yeah yeah, five three one zero six. Everton won Crystal Palace nil in the Premier League with that goal from Dominic Calvert Lewin, and Manchester City, predictably, are one nil up against Brighton. So this one has gone to as uh, it flashes up on the screen here. Erling Haaland, sixteen goals now in the Premier League uh, this season for Erling Haaland. It's almost like it feels like a month since we've talked about him. Uh, Chelsea Man United, as I said, uh, half five start in the Championship. Blackpool four, Preston two. Uh, CJ Hamilton was on the mark for Blackpool today. Blackburn one, Birmingham nil. Middlesbrough nil, Huddersfield nil. Millwall nil, West Brom one. QPR one, Wigan one. Reading nil, Bristol City nil. Rotherham nil, Hull nil. Sheffield United nil, Norwich two. Stoke nil, Coventry nil, and Sunderland two, Burnley nil. These all games in the Championship, and we also have in Scotland Celtic one, bizarrely four goals to three away to Hearts earlier on today in the Premiership there. At the moment, it's Kilmarnock 1, Ross County 0, Motherwell 0, Aberdeen 1, Rangers 0, Livingston 1 and St Mirren 0, Dundee United 0. You were pointing out, Dan, that in League 1, Danny Mandry scored for Lincoln. Yeah. Um, and they drew 1-1 with Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, I think that's his first league goal and he's barely started a game since he's gone there. He was using that, that Football League trophy to sort of get minutes. I mean, like we, we would have been both with Shamrock Rovers last night and been... You know, Graham's obviously very much involved with the club and been following them closely. Like, like Danny Mandrew um, was very good in the first half of the season for Shamrock Rovers, but then got an injury, which meant he went to England. And I think Lincoln fans were like, have we even signed a real player here? Like, he's this sort of forgotten man. But Danny Mandrew's only 23. Like, he's got, he's got a lot of ability. Um, hasn't always delivered on it, but at Rovers, he, he was doing that. And I think for him, like, that Lincoln-Sheffield Wednesday, that's a big game. Like, there would have been a proper crowd at that game. And... He's getting off on the right foot. So he's a sort of a confidence player, Danny, I'd say. I think if things had started badly for him in England, you'd, you'd have a little question going, right, how will he respond to this? But he's, he's, uh, he's, he's got off on a, on a good note. And Stephen Kenny likes him. So if he, could, um, if he could just push himself a little bit up the ladder in England, he'll be around Ireland squads, definitely. He had a fantastic two months before he got injured. Some of the goals he scored, he was actually a great foil for Gaffney. Because yeah. when Gaffney went and wandered into wide areas, Danny filled the middle area and his pace was fantastic. He scored a wonderful goal against Dundalk, true ball from Bourne. And he runs onto it and he, then I think he got a couple of headers. He got a header against UCD, a diving header, and got another header against Finn Harps. Yeah. So he, he was getting into the box a lot more. And I think one of the things that Stephen Bradley touched on with Danny was he's, he's a lot quicker than people realise. Mm. And he actually stopped them coming towards the ball a little bit more and had them running. 
he would be he would give length in the game and run beyond people a lot more and that's probably what they've missed they've missed in Europe so missed much. in Europe exactly oh, yeah. and they've missed that pace and that willingness to run beyond the back line where when Gaffney wanders to play they need somebody to stretch the game and that's what Danny brought so yeah. it's delighted to see him do well he's actually quite a guard fella Danny and he's he's a real he's a real good kid underneath it all but he's just he's very guarded with everything that's gone on probably previously so he tends to just keep himself to himself at this stage but you're right if he starts off well he'll settle down a lot quicker and Mark Kennedy's over there at Lincoln so I'm course, sure yeah, he's, he's looking after him yeah yeah 53106 uh, getting some interesting uh, information in here just on, on comebacks uh, oof uh, Dennis Law, uh, like I, re- I only realised that Dennis Law just started his career at Manchester City. I actually didn't know that. Uh, Dennis Law, Manchester City. Was back he not here. Huddersfield? No, you're right. Uh, uh, and uh, but he, he played for Man City before he played for Man United. I didn't know he played for Man City. I didn't before, know that before Man United. My and dad was at the game where he backheeled. Well, somebody's just texting in. I don't know if it was your dad, but uh, Dennis Law, <laughs> Man, Man City backheeled a goal to relegate United in '74. Says Graham and Offaly. My dad doesn't have my number. Um, um, uh, the the greatest comeback could, could take place on Monday when Boris togs out for the Tories. Johan Coyflad's left Ajax for years, came back to win the leagues and cups in a short spell before leaving again to bring Feyenoord to the title. So Shane. Graham will be on the Newsnight panel on Monday anyway, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get his thoughts on it then. Clearborn. <laughs> Graham Garton in life. Uh, Niall from Dundalk, Pat Hoobin going back to the town, a real League of Ireland legend. That's true. There's a couple of League of Ireland ones that would work like in, in that respect, even like Graham Burke and Jack and a couple of them were in yeah. the second stints. No, yeah, we're talking about globally. At the global level, that scrutiny level, it's, yeah. a, it's a hard thing to do. I'm really, I'm really impressed with that Huddersfield knowledge, uh, Graham. Fair play. Uh, Bill, Bill, Bill Shankly had him at Huddersfield. Right. Okay. And he was trying to get him to go to um, Liverpool, I think, and Busby nipped in and signed him. Right. Um, hi, hi, lads. In Ronaldo, I really don't get the way most people have been saying he is no longer the player he was. Let's stick with the facts. The year before he came back to United, he was the top scorer in Serie A. Last season, he's United's top scorer by far and the third highest in the Premiership. That was at United, who were poor last year. I'll, you know, yeah, but the, uh, I'll he, just continue this. Yeah. Then this year, he's not in the team, really, and people are uh, saying he's over. People are sheep, and you're all following the lead sheep, whoever that is. Uh, yeah, but, Ronaldo was a legend. He'll score your goals and goals win games. What do people want from the man? I mean, I'd have found 50 years apart from Jose Spellis as one of our textures here. Well, I suppose Paul. what people want from the man is that if, if he's not used in a game, not to go down the tunnel and leave the stadium before the game's over. Like, that's not an unreasonable demand. Um, I, I, yeah, maybe not the player he was, but I mean, he was he had a great season in Italy in terms of goals, but Juventus didn't have a great season yeah. that season. So there's that whole debate of accommodating him into a team versus the progress of the team like the team set up around him he will score goals definitely but that might be to the detriment of the team in terms of their goals so like both of those statements can be true in the sense yeah he's not a terrible player or something you know he's not so maybe you know when you say maybe to say the talent has left the body is maybe a little bit unfair but went too not, far there, John. You, you went too far <laughs> but yeah it's 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 more a case that he's not able to operate at the level he was to to actually suit a team of that, of that sort of calibre and at the moment he doesn't he, like you said he, he's still going to score goals no matter where he plays but he's, is he effective for Man United and what Man United are trying to do you know like you press from the front be a counter-attacking team at times um, he's not going to he's not going to be that player 
53106, while Ronaldo's behaviour is unacceptable from a team performance point of view, you guys also need to talk about the people management skills of a coach. Not very impressed by that from Ten Hag. There are cultural differences of how individuals are reacting to certain situations, which a manager of his stature needs to be aware, especially dealing with personalities like Ronaldo. Would Ronaldo have done that 10 years ago? If he had, we would talk about it differently. That is sad. I'm not so sure about he that. He did it at Juventus with Sarri, didn't he? Yeah. He's done it before. Yeah. But he's done it with Ferguson. Uh, I know people talk, but look at the stuff that went on with Ferguson. Mad stuff went on with Ferguson. But in fairness, very few players survived any kind of issues yeah. with Ferguson. Cantona uh, is probably the only one who did. But you yeah. see, you could, you could, you see, you could broaden it out. Like, there's no doubt Ferguson loves Ronaldo and has a great love. And like Ferguson is still a powerful figure behind the scenes of the club to the point where obviously Ronaldo sort of can be maybe feel entitled that he can he's been indulged a little bit there and, and he probably feels the confidence to carry himself and even a lot of the, the legend Manchester United players even the ones in the, in the punditry world they're always they're aware they're conscious he was such a great player and has been such a great player for them that there's almost a sense of they, they wouldn't quite go there and, and slaughter him and maybe then that almost becomes he can get away with more you know? but he's aware yeah. of it isn't he it's, it's funny yeah. that like I'm listening to Rio Ferdinand talking that like Ronaldo wouldn't speak wouldn't speak to Gary Lineker because he he said Lineker likes Messi more and you're like but that's just a preference but the fact that Ronaldo then an obs- ho- there's an obsessiveness about that yeah. the fitness yeah. and the diet and all these but kind he's of things. held in it against Lineker just because yeah. of a preference that's yeah but as yeah. Graham says that is as you've said like that's an element of what made him great yeah. too yeah. like yeah. that single-minded yeah. the world revolves around me streak and you see and it's not always the case I remember being at the Euro 2016 final when he went off injured. Portugal, like early on, and yet he's on the sideline. Oh, he's brilliant that yeah, night. Yeah, and the on the sideline, like yeah. he was really important. El- elbowing his manager. Yeah, yeah, like, but so it's not like not everyone is like straightforward. You can put them in a box and just like yeah. say this is this is who they are. It's complex, right? And it is complex, probably what he's going through at the moment. But that's still, I I, I think like I I know what the what the texter is saying about Ten Hag, but I I don't know how he could have handled that situation any better. Like maybe his plan might have been to introduce Ronaldo if they were chasing the game and needed a goal. Yeah. And he said to him, you're a big part of my plans today. But then just the performance was at such a level that they didn't need him for where they were. And I don't know, like manager has to be able to drop players. Yeah. Everton won Crystal Palace nil. Manchester City won uh, Brighton nil. Erling Haaland yet again on the mark. We're going to take a break here. Graham Gartland, Dan McDonald, and we'll also have speak to David Connolly shortly on Football Saturday here on News Talk. We're back after this. Don't go away. Off the ball, there's so many players. Like someone like Martin Eddie might not even get in a look in. Brazil are going to win that World Cup, lads. I think it's an absolute bank. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football and Off The Ball brought to you by Sky. Watch all the football you love, including the biggest Premier League games every weekend live on Sky. You can text us 53106. Tweet us at Off The Ball. Listen across the country on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off The Ball, YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app. Join in studio by the League of Ireland legend Graham Gartland and the Irish Independent <laughs> football correspondent Dan McDonald. We're having an in-joke about that. <laughs> and on the line as well by David Connolly, the former Republic of Ireland international striker. David, how's the form? Uh, good, good afternoon, lad. Sorry, I was. Uh, I think you thought I was like Ronaldo there and uh, left you in the lurch, but I'm here. My apologies, a bit late. What's your take then? What's your take on that, uh, Ronaldo? Ah, uh, well, you know, um, I I think this is a, 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 
we we can spend so long on this. I don't know how long you got, but basically, this is all. This was all avoidable. I think this was so avoidable, and um, I, I think Roy King did 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 say, like in the last few weeks, how this was going to end up because Roy has been in that situation, and when you've been a top player, and and Ronaldo is as good as it gets in the world ever. I think this could have been avoided with with some better man management, to be honest. And um, I think it's been handled really badly. And uh, yeah, um, I, I don't condone what he's done, but but I, I think this, this this was so avoidable by just making sure that it, you know he told Ronaldo exactly what his plans were. You know, I I remember years and years ago I read a great article about Aidan O'Brien about how he's one of the first. Um, horse race trainers to to give each horse its own stable lad or you know lad to take him out every day. That's that one horse had the same lad every day, so that one lad knew how that horse was feeling from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday. Now you got Ronaldo here; he almost himself needs his one lad. He needs the manager to be his one lad until they decide what they do with him. Because you know him being on the bench, he should have been told. You know what? Even if Rashford has a nightmare, you're not coming on. You know, I'm not saving you to play against Chelsea. You know, are you willing to still be on the bench? You know, uh, and 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 it could have been avoided because if it had said no, then you say, well, look, you know, there's no point even being on the bench. Let's wait until we find you a different a different club. So I, I think it was avoidable in all honesty, but I'm not condoning it. But I, I just think, it, you know, these great players, you've got to manage them and and you've got to talk to them. And you've got to spend the time with them. And I get the feeling that obviously he didn't. How do you know that he didn't, though? How do you know that he didn't? David? Well, but I, t- I tell you why. Because I, you can't compare Ronaldo with anyone else, right? See, I can't use example from my career or whatever. But within every team, within, like Graham will know, within every team, there's a hierarchy in every team. And every player will have a status. And within that team, Ronaldo's status is, is obviously based on, on the career that he's had. You can't just say, well, he's not delivering now, so that status doesn't exist. Like, they signed him because of his status and his, and his selfish behaviour made him the player that he is and got the 300-plus goals for Real Madrid. You can't then hold that against him and think he's, gonna, he's not going to storm off if he's asked to be on a bench and then maybe he's told he might get half an hour and he only is going to get two minutes. Well, then you're, you're, you're either not telling him or you're lying to him and it's only going to end one way. This is, in my mind, it was all avoidable by, by talking to him. I got a feeling that there's been no, because look, you go back to when different managers been in charge, different clubs, Carlo Ancelotti. You know, you look at how they managed. He managed Ronaldo at times. He wouldn't even select him in the team. He'd, he'd keep him at home, protect his status rather than be on the bench. I think it's a, it's an art of of managing the very very best players in the world and. Uh, 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 despite what everyone says, I think it could have been handled better. But, but David, is, is it not possible that in like Den Hag thought he might need Ronaldo in the game if they were in a particular situation, and they just didn't end up in that situation because they were, you know, they were protecting a lead or they were sort of on top, and that you know maybe there was a plan that he had Ronaldo in in his plans for the match, and then it just changed as you know the game develops in a particular way, and you don't need him anymore. Yeah, I mean, look, Dan, I understand that might be the case, but by the, by the same token, you know, I think when you're dealing with these, I'm, look, the camera doesn't pan to the bench that often, right? 
But Cameron doesn't... So we don't know whether he... Any sort of plan or at half-time was spoken about or said to him or during the game. But, you know, Ten Hag did this. I know he did this to another player refused in Holland or whatever. Turned to the bench and said, go and warm up. And the lad, Eunice, I think it was, refused. But... You know, I, ne- I never saw, uh, 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 we didn't see it, right? We never saw him pulling him on the actual bench and talking to him. All we saw is shots of Ronaldo either shaking his head, no no conversation. I- I'm, not co- I'm not defending him by any means. I just, I really do feel it could have been avoided with, with, with just more dialogue. But when you have these top players and their egos, no matter what you say, I know the team comes first. You, you have got to manage their egos. And that is the art of man management. You know, you never see this with a, yeah. a Carlo Ancelotti. You never see this with someone like that who who is who knows how to manage the very best players in the yeah. world. You just don't see it. Yeah, but a few things here, uh, David. Uh, well, maybe it's we're talking about Ronaldo or what he was rather than what he is as a 37-year-old. Uh, Eric Ten Hag didn't sign him. United have gone through a huge amount of instability with managers and Eric Ten Hag has to assert himself given the fact that Solskjaer seemed to be Mr. Nice Guy. And uh, Yeah, of course. And, yeah, and, and, I, and I it's his right not to have him in the team. And if Ronaldo's going yeah. to sulk about that, what is Harrington Hag supposed to do? Not, Solskjaer not didn't sign him neither. Yeah, not have him on the bench. Don't don't have him. Don't have him. And say, you know what? You're not for me, Cristiano. And and let him go. And there's nothing. That, I totally agree. He's got to be the manager. He's, he's got to decide who he picks. Absolutely. But just don't 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 have him involved. Then, if you think he's going to be disruptive influence, which is kind of maybe what 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 has been the case, say walking off the other night, then don't involve him. And then look to, and look to move him on as soon as you can and say, well just train with the twenty ones, you know, and and then we'll find a way out. That becomes a yeah, circus too though, doesn't yeah. it? I, I, it's training with the twenty ones not as more disrespectful as well though. Like I know what you're saying about everybody shake hands and they move on at the appropriate time and everybody's happy in that situation. The club still holds it's like Ten Hag still holds his presence Ronaldo still gets to go on his terms but to train with the 21s would be a little bit more hurtful than you know not getting on the pitch no but he's not getting on the pitch though is he or yeah. he's getting on for two or he's getting on for two minutes you know but what you're saying is if if he's not in his plan if he's not Eric's man and Eric doesn't want him why didn't they get rid of him in the summer or or vice versa let him go go then to keep him on the sideline and not use it. And let's be honest, I thought Marcus Rashford was pretty poor the other night. I think Cristiano could have easily come on at half-time. Maybe he thought the same. Look, I'm not defending him, but, uh, but I just think this is a lesson in avoidance of this conflict, which uh, I think you're all praising Eric Ten Hag for his firm-handed nature. But there's loads of other examples of other managers being firm, but, but it never ends up with such a drawn-out, yeah, well, no, we were like obviously we're, we're discussing it. Like, it's not black and white, is it? But I think he became firm after Ronaldo does what he's done. I don't think he was, and he said it was for the second yeah, time because yeah. he did against Falcao. Wasn't that I, I, you're you're maybe saying that he's he's probably too firm with him before the situation? But he's getting a lot of praise because he's firm with the fact that Ronaldo did walk off and did refuse to come on. I think he's come out a lot more firmer than he was previously. Um, but I know what you're saying about the avoidance thing it's all about dialogue and conversation but if Ronaldo still walks off the pitch there's, there's no other way for the manager to deal with it other than be reactive to it I, 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 oh no no yeah yeah I, I agree I'm not uh, I don't dispute that uh, but but I'm just saying for, for it to end up like that I don't think there, there, might, there can't have been enough dialogue between manager yeah. and player 
between they can't have been. And and I don't condone it. I don't agree with it. I'm not saying that. I'm not supporting him yeah. whatsoever. But I'm, I reckon it could have. I reckon it could have been avoided. Well, I don't absolutely. think there's enough dialogue day to day here at all. It doesn't look like they have any type of yeah. no, relationship. No, no. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you see, Ronaldo wanted to leave in the summer. Remember? But this is the thing. I think with the passing of time, like, and these are the things that sometimes you don't hear about them straight away. I know there's been a lot of reporting about this. Like, what was Ten Hag told when he took over by the club? You know about this because there, there was clearly. Ronaldo's a complicated player to move. Like you know, he comes, he comes with a big wage. He comes with. It's not a case of I don't think of being able to just comes as a brand to, with to, hundreds of millions. Been, of Instagram been able to just sort of shift him out the door, yeah. like you might as sort of a, a a lesser player. So, what have the club said to Ten Hag about how you handle this situation, this this asset? What was his remit? Because there was a lot of stuff in the summer about how Manchester wanted Ten Hag just to coach, and in terms of elements of some of the other. Business, they would, you know, they they would they would manage some of that, and that to me is a key part. Like, what was he told about, you know, the Ronaldo situation, and and why for some reason, like he did come out. Listen, I probably was praising Ten Hag when Ten Hag comes and says what he does in the press conference after. Like he's he is bringing it to another level. Now I don't know what backstory he could have made up. To, to defend Ronaldo in that case, like you know, claiming he was going to the toilet or something, you know what I mean? Like he, what he he was he he basically was like someone who's like, well, I'm done with this. I now have a little bit of credit in the bank, and I'm going to say, yeah, he didn't come on, and that obviously that that sort of drops the bomb. But where what was the dialogue with the club? I wonder around Ronaldo in August. And what was Ten Hag told to do then? That, yeah. that to me is a key part of it. Interesting comments from the listeners on this. Brian's been in touch five through one six. Zidane had no trouble with Ronaldo when he kept him out of matches. Zidane had such respect in that Real dressing room of massive egos that players fell into line. Not the same with Ten Hag. Uh, Roy Keane and David Connolly are spot on. Christian's been a child. However, this was avoidable, and the main issue at United is ownership. Should have let him go. If not, that what David is suggesting is correct. Uh, lads, how long can you harp on repeating yourselves about Ronaldo? Well, it's because David Connolly's got a contrarian viewpoint, which is an interesting viewpoint that I don't think we necessarily agree with in the studio. That's what uh, having a debate about football is all about, folks. Uh, also, uh, we have um, Ronaldo, like Messi, is no longer the main man. Both would have seen the media fans looking at them as yesterday's men with Mbappe and Haaland, the new main man, hard to go out of the top. Not many do. So uh, we also have uh, just on comebacks because uh, we were like talking about Ronaldo coming back and whether it's working or not. And obviously it doesn't seem to be working as well. Um, just about Mark Hughes, uh, somebody was texting in, uh, has to be it, returned after Barca Bayern to score winning goal for the cup, uh, winner's cup versus Barcelona. Uh, last second equaliser, three all draw in the FA Cup uh, final. And that was uh, against Palace. And then you remember scored that goal against Oldham in 1994. Surely the most spectacular goal scorer in history. Ray, the optimistic red. Uh, Martin Keown came back from Arsenal from Everton, I think really successful, says Robin Kildare. And I'm sick of hearing about Dennis Law back healing United down. Two teams above them both won. So even if they won it, it was still relegation. Uh, David Connolly, uh, just because you're joining us now a bit late into the show. Liverpool, what happened? What's your diagnosis there? Ooh. Um, well, look, I saw Forrest against Brighton and, you know, they offered no attacking threat, right? But after going and watch that game live, they were really stubborn defensively. So you kind of knew this might be a potentially tough game for them to break them down. Um, was I surprised say Trent didn't start? Might, might have been, you know, considering what they were going to face. Like, because they would have known how Forrest played against Brighton that, you know, a really stubborn back line defended really well. I'm surprised he didn't start, you know, fair enough um, in the in the previous game, James Milner was starting, but I don't know, they just looked at a lot of misplaced passes, right? They, they, they looked like they were pressed really hard and 
and, and just struggle to get their game going. So, um, yeah, that, that was a really bad defeat for them. What are the solutions? Are there any kind of better solutions at the moment to Liverpool? Tactically or personnel-wise in the window or, or anything that you think can, can, can help them? Well, I, I, do you know what? They, they look like they're, 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 they're really... Their game is just really off in lots of different areas. And when we spoke about this before the City game, didn't we, in terms of... I think it was talked about that maybe uh, Canate start. And I remember saying, I wouldn't play Canate because I, I just don't think he's ready. And then he's dropped the surprise of playing Joe Gomez at centre-half and James Milner at right back, which I thought worked really, really well. But I, I just don't know whether that was the right call today to play Milner up against Knott's Forest. You know? And I just think that he's maybe just getting a few of his team selections. I don't know if he's quite getting them right and you know that look they were they were pretty poor they, I mean for a side based on its intensity right for years it, they've really struggled with teams that play with with a high intensity which uh, uh, yeah is, is a bit worrying for sure Erling Haaland has now got 17 goals in the Premier League this season the second one from the penalty spot against Brighton he got the first as well so we're, we're talking about another hat-trick at home potentially here for Erling Haaland like this is just crazy stuff this is Dixie Dean stuff you know um, that is Manchester City against uh, Brighton which is 2-0 at half time and Everton have gone in 1-0 up at the break against Crystal Palace Dominic Calvert Lew and Nottingham Forest 1 Liverpool 0 the result Chelsea Man United kicks off at half 5 uh, Blackpool 4 Preston 2 full time from the Championship half times Blackburn 2 Birmingham 0 Middlesbrough 0 Huddersfield 0 at the moment latest score Millwall 0 West Brom 1 actually Millwall 1 West Brom 1 a goal just gone in there uh, QPR 2 Wigan 1 half time score also at the break Reading 0 uh, Bristol City 0 Rotherham 1 Hull 1 Sheffield United 0 Norwich 2 Time Opuki with both goals for the Canaries so I'm sure they'll be relegated from the Premier League next season uh, Stoke 0 Coventry 0 uh, Sunderland 2 Burnley 0 and we also have in Scotland Celtic winning 4-3 away to Hearts Kilmarnock 1 Ross County 0 Motherwell 0 Aberdeen 1 and we have Rangers 0 Livingston 1 Rangers down at half time and St Mirren 1 Dundee United 0 at the break any Irish players catching your eye down at the moment? Well, no, we mentioned Mandrew earlier. I mean, Sinclair Armstrong is possibly one worth mentioning who's starting for QPR today. Sounds like, I don't know, um, some kind of computer, doesn't it? Or mm. Sinclair Armstrong, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it could be a, a law firm either. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. yeah he, like, he, was, he made his debut for Shamrock Rovers at 15 under Stephen Bradley. I mean, Graham would probably know more about Sinclair Armstrong than me, but he made his first league start during the week. He's a sort of a pacey striker, won a penalty against Cardiff and has kept his place in the side for QPR of Michael Beale, who's turned down Wolves, who are top of the championship. So he's not just been thrown in there with a club down towards the bottom looking for something. It's a team up at the top end. So Graham, like he's got... Oh, he's, he's powerful, got to, powerful, yeah. powerful boy. Like just goes, like if there's straight line running, he, he's running, like he'll go through people. Uh, great kid, actually, a really good kid. He's, his younger brother plays with the under 13s or all, well, under 14, DDSL side of Rovers. Uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a great kid. He, he, he used to come back and train at Rovers as well once he went back just to stay fit and all about just practice, practice, practice. And his interview afterwards was really refreshing because he's saying and he, he's 
how much he still needs to work on his yeah. touch and his technical side of it. But his he, his raw attributes are just like he's powerful, he's strong, he's direct, and he like they were comparing him to Les Ferdinand a little bit and over there because Les Ferdinand is working with him and he came out and says, "Oh, they compared me to the way Les Ferdinand used to play," and he's he's that type, uh, powerful, good leaper, willing to like you said, willing to run. Uh, but he he's obviously. He's gone out in a few loans as well yeah, and done well, and he's been well liked at the clubs he's gone to because again he, he gives maximum effort. It's not sometimes his technical side of the game might let him down, but it's not true a lack of trying, and that's all fans of these people on loan want to see is that they're coming in and making an effort to to impact the team, and he does that. And he got a stand ovation going off against in Loftus Road, and they were all singing his name, and it was great for him to see and how much he enjoyed it too. Nineteen yeah. years of age, and he's playing today. Yeah, and Rovers have a big sell-on clause apparently, so they'll be hoping he goes to the top and just gets sold and he becomes another Mazzuno-style be, sort of uh, dividend. Will he be uh, in the Irish conversation then going forward, do you think? Well, I think any Irish player playing in the Championship probably is, but he hasn't necessarily been like too involved with the underage teams Irish-wise, so... I, I, I would get the impression. Up, I would get the impression. Yeah, he would divide opinion. You yeah. know, he would divide opinion. So, but I mean, if he's playing for a championship team, threatening for promotion, everyone in that position will come in under consideration. But David, know this: the, the championship at times is it's a slog. Like you're going Saturday, Tuesday, and and somebody like him and his frame and his build and his power would be able to handle that because it's so robust and you just have to get up and go again. You mightn't get to train too much. So sometimes you mightn't get to learn as much as he'd like in, in the technical side of it. But the fact he'll have to go Saturday, Tuesday and perform. But I think he has the power and the pace and the stamina to do that as well. OK, got to take a break. Uh, David Connolly, uh, Graham Gartland and Dan McDonnell. We'll be back after four. Five, three, one, oh, six. Was Ronaldo brought back more from a business point of view? Profile shirt sales as a business asset. That's the reason they're holding on to him without full disclosure regarding game. Game time. What does it teach young kids and respect for coaches and managers? Ronaldo needs to set a better example, says another of our textures. And great show, lads. A massive Ronaldo fan, but you're forgetting he started the previous two games. He didn't score. He's getting a fair chance regardless of what he thinks, says John and Monaghan. We're back after four on Football Saturday with the guys on News Talk here. Don't go away. Thank you. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duncan with you through to five. Football Saturday on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106, tweet us out Off the Ball. Listen across the country on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels on YouTube, Facebook, the OTP Sports app, and on Twitter. Joined by David Connolly, the former Republic of Ireland striker on the line, League of Ireland legend Graham Gartland, and the Irish independence Dan McDonald to talk about the beautiful game. Man City Brighton halftime report from the Etihad Stadium and only one man to talk about here, Darren Stanich. Manchester City 2, Brighton 0, City on course for victory. Bit of a helping hand by VAR involved in both goals at the Etihad, where Erling Haaland has now 17 for the season. Uh, the first goal came on 21 minutes, route one stuff. Edison with the ball cleared away. Haaland uh, raced forward, chested it past the advancing keeper Sanchez, uh, and then uh, nudged dunk off the ball, uh, slotted into the back of the net. Brighton not happy, they felt that should have been a, a foul. Wasn't given though, but VAR did give a foul on 42 minutes. Silver by Dunk Upsets Harland to convert Manchester City 2 Brighton 0 and half time report from Everton against Crystal Palace at Goodison Park Shane Pennington 
It's Everton 1, Crystal Palace 0 and Frank Lampard's side deservedly lead at the break courtesy of an 11th minute goal from Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Alex Iwobi fed the ball into him on the right-hand side of the penalty area. He turned his man lovely on the edge of the box, Anderson, and then struck a lovely effort across quieter into the left-hand bottom corner of the net. Everton deserved that advantage. They've been the better side. Gordon seen a shot well saved by Guaita and also an effort from Damari Gray has gone over the top as well for the host. Crystal Palace have rarely threatened going forward really. Zahar's 20-yard curler forced an easy save from Pickford. Otherwise, they've not had too much to shout about at all. It's Everton 1, Crystal Palace 0. And the Women's National League, Shelburne 2, Slugger Rovers 0 is a result. Very tight at the top there. Dealer Waves against Treat United has just kicked off. Cork City against Bowes at 5. Piedmont United against Wexford Dudes at 5.20. Athlone Town versus Galway at 7. Uh, just saw there a tweet from Kean Tracy, the uh, rugby uh, writer with the Irish Independent, about Leinster, Munster, half and half scarves? For the 5.15 game in the rugby, is that what it's come to now? Half and half scarves? Ever seen that in football, lads? Oh, well, the half and half scarves are everywhere. Is there know? international probably more so than, than club them, football? Yeah, at certain times. I mean, they always seem to get sort of pictured and tweeted. Like, there's obviously there's great viral potential in them. Okay, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of Leinster fans used to support Munster back in the early 2000s. The Lunsters. The Lunsters. It was a very innocent time, wasn't it? Was, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, is it? Your brother used to have an a half and half Ireland Italy jersey from Italia 90. I remember that. Okay. Okay, David Connolly, you ever seen a half and half jersey? You ever worn one? Um, I think I I don't think I've worn one, but um, like in in my house when I was growing up, my my dad was called my Galway, my mum was Leitrim, but Leitrim weren't very good at Gaelic. <laughs> there wasn't many wasn't many uh, Leitrim shirts hanging around, so it was always the Galway ones. Not many half and half. They very rarely met. That's for sure. Did you ever go to Crog Park, David? Yeah, I went to I went to quite a well. I wouldn't say loads, but yeah, quite a few times. Um, yeah, because I was actually having this on uh, online this week because someone put a picture of of uh, a Gaelic game in I think seventy seven Wembley um, at Wembley. Yeah. But I had to t- I, I had to tweet and I had a photo of my dad there in, in sixty seven. So I said no, they, they were there a lot earlier than than seventy seven or seventy three or whatever it was. Yeah. Were you playing for Ireland around the time that he played at Crow Park? Um, I no 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 that was that, that, was, that, that was a lot earlier not, you know yeah that was uh, way before my time but um, you know I, I went in the dress I think it was 87 when Galway won I think I was in I got in the dress and my dad sneaked me in uh, that year I'm, I'm sure it was 87 uh, when Galway won the All-Ireland so yeah I've been there a few times they won Hurling All-Ireland that year yeah the Hurling All-Ireland yeah yeah he was he was uh, a Hurling more or less yeah yeah didn't know this about you now David you're a GA man GA fan. Oh yeah, I could. Let me say, I could. Yeah, yeah, I, I could. Uh, I can. I, I'm all right with GA. Not, don't worry. Yeah, no, it's always a great day, isn't it? Was, was it something that when you were in mixed uh, squad or anything that you know you, you was that players in the squad would have been GA fans and would you ever have the matches yeah. on or anything like that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, there would there would be. You know, sometimes you'd even have. Um, uh, you, you might have a couple of hurling sticks in and around the training ground. I mean, we had some at Sunderland when Roy come in. Um, a few times we'd have like a few hurling sticks in and around you know so yeah it was something that obviously all the lads would be uh, would be into you know some the, yeah, the lads from the Irish rugby lads as well would, would, would wish you well like in the soccer so, and vice versa you know so that was nice very good very good uh, interesting stuff just on Stevie G then David Connolly uh, I suppose look it's you know Villa I suppose can't really um, you know there's no complaints really about this one is there 
No, I mean, I think we touched on this last week, week before, and saying it looked like it, you know the right was on the wall. I'm sure Dan was uh, Dan was on that that show, and um, I mean, uh, you know, I think that you know that like he's got no real affinity. Like the fans wouldn't have any real affinity for Stephen. So when the crap started appearing, you sort of felt. Yeah, there's nothing to really keep him there any longer. Yeah, he wasn't a player there or anything. Um, Their form has been really bad. I think if they've conceded first, they've lost nearly every game, um, struggling to score goals. So, you know, uh, it just didn't work out for him. And and look, say what you want. I mean, I know you mentioned Singto Armstrong there. Um, uh, and like there's another lad Danny McNamara at Millwall played for the 21s he could be another one coming through but but you look at QPR and, and how Mick Bill's done and yeah, it doesn't really paint Stephen in a great way because you think well who's the brains behind this operation you know is it is it Stephen or is it or is it Mick Bill with the job he's doing at QPR and and um, you know so the fact that they got rid of all his staff Every one of his staff has gone. And Neil Christie was a first-team manager at Blackpool who left that to be Villa's assistant. And they even let him go. So, I, I mean, I don't know what's going on there. I think Aaron Danks is now in charge. But either way, I mean, I, it, it's really troubling because to get rid of every member of staff and not even leave a former first-team manager of Blackpool who was doing brilliantly at Blackpool in charge, that's strange. Yeah, that was striking actually. Like the, and I mean, the, even the speed at which it happened on uh, well Wednesday night was it the the the, the, the pace of like you sort of expect the following morning. Uh, you know, you, it was you, a very terse statement. You, you come and... to the training ground and and you go, and everyone knows it's coming. But like the speed of it, like it actually suggests that they were very much struck by. It was almost like the supporter anger was was building to such well, a apparently level. Apparently, the uh, one of the owners, the Egyptian owner, was there and left in a huff. Yeah, uh, and then they he said his goodbyes, to Gerard, at one a.m. in the morning. Yeah, there's there was sort of a certain there was almost a statement about the statement and how they did it yeah. that was very sort of pointed. But, Not as um, bad as what happened in China today, but anyway. Yeah, but the the the, 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 the mad thing about it is I was looking at this Everton-Crystal Palace game here. Seamus Coleman. And uh, made a great tackle there in Zaha Coleman. But like, of the clubs in the bottom half of the table, there probably hasn't been any chat about David Moyes, really, although West Ham had a sort of slow enough start, but he's obviously got loads of credit in the bank. Like, Lampard, towards the end of the last season... This season, has there been any Lampard chat? I mean, he's, he's. I think the chat is that they've been much better. They've been better, so he hasn't. And Vieira hasn't been subject to anyway. Every other team in the bottom half of the table, they've either changed their manager or they've been talked about that they're going to change their manager. You go with like Leicester. You got Rodgers at the bottom. You've had Cooper, who's had that situation where he was almost gone. Wolves have changed manager. Villa now have. Jesse Marsh the other day Under fans pressure after now. him yeah. Hassan Hootl was the favourite for the yeah. sack races and isn't even top five he's <laughs> seen them all off um, he was the favourite and then you go up to Moyes uh, Bournemouth who obviously changed very early and then you're, you're up to Everton and Palace and then like Thomas Frank and Brentford are almost like almost an oasis of calm like relative to the others so that's not to defend Gerard. like he, they did spend money clearly the Grealish things, money didn't land either clearly things were very bad there like you, you, you have to listen to people who followed them the whole time and, and watch them every like week and, here and, watch, the and watch every game and they're feeling it but it does show like there, there is a point in it being like the survival rate of managers when you're at a team that isn't going to challenge like it's it's yeah. tough to, to, to keep going like and it, it is the it, like even someone like Hassan Hüttel when you think about it I think he's not even four years in charge but he feels like 
a survivor now. Like David would know that club obviously very well. That he'd watched him a lot, and clearly there was speculation. He changed the staff over the the, the off season, and he stayed. But like, I mean, I don't know what the like, he left the gig at Rangers to go to Aston Villa. Um, but anyone who goes there now, like, what's the shelf life for that job? Unless you can do something like you know a Graham Potter style thing where you can somehow enhance your reputation in a short space of time like what what's the gig like you see Michael Beale turning down Wolves like not just instantly jumping at the first Premier League option because a lot of those clubs you go to I don't know you're, you're going to you're there for a while and expectations listen, too you get your contract paid up you leave you I mean it's it's a it's a lucrative job not to do well in sometimes but it's um I don't know it seems even more volatile than ever this season in the Premier League like see, I touched on this as well previously, and and he did take all his staff from Rangers, took everybody, and Michael Beale was the one. Um, we would have coached against him in Scotland when he when he when Gerard came into Rangers, and he, he in fairness, he got the club back going again. He brought a bit of class back to the club and how he'd done the business and all and everything that went with it, and even coaching against him and talking to them afterwards in the dressing room. You know, Gerard had a presence about, him, but it was Michael Beale that done all the coaching, and Gerard just brought this demand and this presence that you're playing for. Obviously, Steven Gerard, but obviously a big club at Rangers. Um, so it, there was talk that when Michael Beale left, a lot of the tactical news left, a lot of the engagement with the players in terms of ten, sending them tactical stuff through a WhatsApp group. That left, that went as well. Um, and obviously you can only rely on your presence so much as a manager if you're not given information with that it's going to fall down at some point and that, that's ultimately what happened uh, 53106 is that the death knell for Gerard's dream of managing Liverpool uh, what, what do you think David Connolly he can learn from this um, well it's interesting because when we've touched on this before you know I remember I remember discussing that the difficulty when you're a manager like like Stephen and you don't do a bit like Graham said and you don't do the coaching is is the impact you have as as a manager is 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 a, at times is fleeting because it, it is based on impact you know managing players body language the usual stuff I mean Roy used to manage like this Roy he never took coaching never took training you know so it was all about the impact and. Um, where does he go from here? Because if you don't have the confidence to coach, right, you could be the best player like a Gerard or a King. That doesn't mean you've got the confidence that you will be able to coach your way and improve your coaching ability. I have a feeling that Stephen will never be a coach, a field coach. I don't know. Just my opinion. Roy King will never be a, a field coach. He will be, he will be a manager. And, and I, I just wonder whether that's a vulnerable position to be in. Right. So I, I, yeah. I think if you're, if, you're, if you're a manager that coaches, you are in charge of your destiny a little bit more. Yeah. That, that's, that's my only thing. And I think he, he's based... Look, don't get me wrong, Jurgen Klopp, he's not a field coach, right? But, you know, and he, he's impactful in other ways. He has great support staff around him. That is the model that, that Stephen was working towards. I just think, you, I just think it means you're a little bit vulnerable at times. What, what is the best thing then? Is it a hybrid of being a manager and a coach or is it being a coach who can manage? What, what's, what's the best? Uh, look, I'd, if, if it was me, I'd, 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 I'd want to be a, a manager that coaches. But you have to obviously, in the Premier League, the demands are so great on all these managers that at all times you don't know how they have time to sleep at night. But nonetheless, getting that message across to your players on the grass to me, is the most important thing. You can you can get support staff all you want, and and he tried to bring in Neil Critchley to replace Mick, and and that showed you that he, you know you've got to have a strong staff. Don't get me wrong, but 
But also, you know, you, in the end, players, who do they start looking more towards? The coach or the, or, or the actual manager? I think your support you know, staff, David, can do this stuff like the, the passing, the set-piece stuff, the rondos, whatever you want to do. But then that half an hour of tactical work has to be done by the manager. Yeah. Because that, yeah, that's the message. Absolutely. That's that. Oh, hold yeah. on. This is where I need you to be. This is where I want you to be. This is why. And and, yeah. it, and when the ball rolls, this is where we move. This is how we move. This is why you move. All that has to come from the manager on that half hour. I, I was lucky enough to be an assistant up in Scotland. And I would have done the passing, the drills, all that stuff. But that, that tactical half an hour... That was Neil. Neil McCann done that. That was it. There you go. Like I did, as much as I might have had an impact in a, in what we're doing, he took it. it. Was his voice that had to be in, impacted in that that half hour? Because that's who the players are looking to on a Saturday. That's who they're looking to on that particular day in training. What are we doing and how are we doing it? And we're going to follow you into that. So I'd agree with David on that one. It's weird because I first went to the UK. I was seventeen, and I remember. There's a blast in the past. Dave Bassett was the manager of Barnsley, yeah, yeah. Mm. former Wimbledon and yeah, Forest. And one of the nicest fellas you'll ever meet. Like whatever perception you have of him, throw it out. Nicest guy you'll ever meet um, yeah. in football, really. But like he would, he would only turn up to training on a Thursday and a Friday. He sat in his office Monday, Wednesday, and then on Monday, Monday, Tuesday, off Wednesday, and then the big coat would come on, and he'd walk up and, and he'd take, he'd have an impact in training on the Thursday and Friday. Real old school manager, trusted his staff to do, but the tactical work on Thursday and all the set piece stuff and all that Friday, he took it. That was the thing. It wasn't about Clough that it was. Uh, you know, he needed Taylor, and if he didn't have Taylor at Leeds, forty-four days, all that happened. And mm. it was the thing that Martin O'Neill was more of a manager than a coach. Yeah, he John Robertson didn't he? That's right. Yeah, yeah, no, that like there's no doubt that was the, um, that would be the reputation. I and mean, like David Terry played under Roy Keane. There was a suggestion he took on a little bit of that as well. And mm. in, in terms of when he, when he, when he met his presence felt and stuff, and yeah, people would argue now that can you can you be as elusive. To be as successful, you know, players. People argue players need more information today. They're used to their coach. They come through sort of academy setups now, where they get a lot of information. They get a lot of stuff given to them, and as a result, they probably need maybe more of a manager who can impart information to them that way rather than the way they used to. That would certainly be a theory. Guardiola is really sort of change that because you see he's so he's such a presence on the training pitch he takes a lot he's he's on the training pitch every day nearly where and he's been the most successful coach for the last 10 years so that's what people are looking towards to go well Guardiola's given that from a coach's point of view sometimes it's it's what you don't tell them that if you don't tell them something the players will go you never gave me that information you know like you might say the player likes to do this or the X, Y and Z he, he can check he can play left foot or he can play right foot but you might but you never told me he was good in the air you like them because <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean like you're like you nearly have to give them everything so that they have no comeback on you as a coach sometimes and that's difficult because you're like David said not enough hours in the day to do that D- David on this like motivational words say Mick McCarthy or other managers you would have played under you know how, how it, the impactful stuff like you remember the lads at Tottenham yeah. the Fergie mm. stuff and the, yeah. the, the, the how much does that get through to players in a positive way yeah Oh, look, it can. You cannot discount that. The, and, and that impact of, 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 of the presence of a manager, and you, 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 you know, absolutely, you, that, that does have an impact. However, you know, the bulk of the work Monday to Friday and then on the Saturday, not just pre-game work, in-game work, because you know, I played under lots of managers who, who, uh, you know, who had all the answers after watching the video five times come Monday morning. 
But what you want is a manager that in-game, pre-game, in-game can have an impact. You know, now, I'm sure we've talked on this uh, about Brighton and, and Graham Potter and people like that. You know, I played with lads uh, at different clubs who ended up at Brighton underground bottom, you know, and you talk to them and they'd, and, and they'd say, this guy's destined for the top. Why? Tell me what he does. So they tell me exactly how he manages, how he coaches, and what he does Monday to Friday on the grass. And, and the messages that he says is comparable to other managers they worked under at the very top, at your Liverpools, at your Tottenham's and your Klopp's and your Pochettino's. And you go, wow, this guy is from everything I'm hearing, this guy is the real deal. He, you know, the, the, because players are so attuned now to the messages that, you know, when you go away for international duty, the pressure on international managers is the information they're getting is as good as what they're getting at their club level. Because previously you thought you thought maybe that the messages at club level weren't weren't you know maybe as good as international level. Now lads are going away international duty. Well, I tell you what, Gareth Southgate or Stephen Kenny, they got to be giving this as good information and coaching as they get in a club level because the lads will be like, this is a step down for me, you know. And, and so, look, there's some managers that are, uh, uh, it seems like they're outstanding, born to coach, born to manage. If you're not born to coach, like a Gerard, if he doesn't feel he's confident to coach, doesn't matter, that you could be the best player in the world. If you're not confident coaching, fine. You have to get other people to do it. Then you're just a little bit more vulnerable if your coaching staff changes an awful lot. And coaching staff can't wait for you to get another job. You know, Tony Lachlan couldn't wait for Roy to get another job. You know, Tony Lachlan had to go and work for, for Sean Dyche for seven, eight years. You know, so, like, he, he does, you know, so there's, different, there's no right or wrong way, but if you can't coach, you've got to make sure you've got good lads, good coaches in that are, and you have that impact when it's, when it's needed. It could be at 20 minutes every day in training, could be at the end could be watching training because even if you're coaching doesn't mean you're observing everything it's, it's, a, it's a very very difficult job make a mistake Paul, and McAllister wasn't a coach neither he was more of a sounding board that he'd go to and calm and influence around the place like I said to you uh, Michael was the one that, 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 that done a lot of even from speaking to Michael I, I was at a coaching conference and he I was talking to him as well and uh, I know he, he had ambitions to go into management eventually and in fairness, this, his story and his background's great. He went to coach in Brazil. Um, unbelievable story. And um, But it was funny, like, how does it go for everything? Everton have scored 2-0. Anthony Gordon against Crystal Palace. Uh, keeper couldn't keep it out quite. Uh, and Gordon has put it into the back of the net. Good result this is going to be for Everton if they can keep it up. The flag is up, though. The flag, the flag is, is up. up. So, so this is real time. This is live radio, folks. But I mean, Michael beat in Brazil. Yeah, but he, he, he told it. <laughs> <By the> way, <laughs> Bright, Brighton and pulled one back. Leander Trossard at uh, Manchester City. 2-1 City now. He, he was. He, someone asked him what was the differences in coaching Brazil and he, he, he was talking about da- David Luiz came up and he, he the comment he made was does... 100 centre-backs like David Luiz in Brazil he said not as good as David Luiz but they all that's the way they play they're, they're just they step in they just think they can drive out and play all the time he says but if you're winning 1-0 and you make a negative substitution if you put on an extra defensive midfielder or put on an extra defender the players will turn on you the fans will turn on you and don't embarrass us by doing that that's not how we play here so it's like they, they can't ever take a step backwards in terms of their attack and play in Brazil. And he said he found that difficult because in, in, in the UK he was saying you're pragmatic, you're, you're learning to be a good manager, you're learning to see how games, game management. He says you couldn't do that. So you're nearly trying to 
you know, get the players to relax a bit. You're winning two 0 You don't need to force the game. He said, but you've made a negative substitution. He says the the players would go. Don't you're embarrassed us in front of the other team there? What you do that for? It was interesting hearing them. But his journey going from like Chelsea to Brazil, back to Liverpool, and coaching up with with Gerard, and now he's doing really well at QPR. It's an interesting one for from a coach's standpoint. The goal has been given. Anthony Gordon, Everton two, Crystal Palace nil. How do you uh, assess this uh, Chelsea Man United game then at half five, uh, David Connolly? Um, well, I said, what if Man you play anything like they did the other night? I thought they were outstanding. Uh, I thought that. Uh, and Fred, I mean, there was a lot of talk before the game, right, about whether Ericsson should have started, McTominay should have started. I, I mean, you know, y- you could have had a highlights reel of that game of Fred, and he was he was here, there, and everywhere. He was absolutely brilliant. He really was. And if they play like that. And the goal was in. I don't see one of the goals. One of the goals was really interesting, where um, it was Fred's goal, where the balls come up to Kane on the halfway line, and 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 this is like top play for Martinez. He can't win the header, so he drops off, but then he goes and wins the second header, and then they're on the front foot, and then they break, and then they score. I mean, look, if they play, ironically, I think if they had a centre forward, even though we talked about Ronaldo, but if they if they had someone through the middle, because I don't think Rashford. I, he, it doesn't look like he scored goal through the middle, but I, I would think that they they'd have a chance of winning this game. Um, but I just I, I don't I don't know. I, I think they're limiting themselves because I don't think Marcus is a natural striker. I really don't through the middle. So uh, and and obviously there's no Ronaldo to go there. So it looks like Marcus will play again. Um, and whether they can have the same energy against this Chelsea side, you know, a few days later, I, uh, that'll be a challenge because they expended an awful lot against Spurs. I thought they were outstanding. There's a real heated situation here with Everton Crystal Palace down. It's, uh, yeah, Zaha is um, with a late challenge. And now. he was already annoyed, wasn't he? Yeah. He, thought he had a penalty. So Zaha thought he had a penalty around five, ten minutes previously. And it was actually a very good challenge from Seamus Coleman. Oh, it's kicking off here. And Pickford and Zaha were having one because they thought Zaha dived. Zaha was, was having a go. So this is really... Um, on in. I'm not sure who Zaha took out. Was it Gordon potentially? But anyway, it was a late it was a late challenge either way. Coleman was involved and he's in the middle of it now, um, having words with Zaha and the referees uh trying to figure out what to do and we've got a linesman getting himself involved. So um Linesman trying to fix his the buzzing thing on his arm. Oh actually that's what it is, yeah. Sorry, it's just someone involved just got he's just getting maintenance work done. <laughs> yeah. Um Seamus Coleman's always good in these situations. There's been a bit of spark in this game though. There yeah. has been there's been a, little, a few little flashpoints at various times and Zaha has generally been in the middle of them, but I'm not sure if this tackle was particularly bad, but the I'm see it now. The response was uh was very Ooh. strong. Well there was oh. two So he jumps in the air and he leaves his arm his his arm is sort of leading. Um, so that's obviously what the charge is from the Everton players. They believe he's led with his arm into the back. Um, I think it's of Gordon, but we'll see. There's yeah. a, a long inquest. I don't ongoing. know if it's because the ref had blown the whistle for the force foul and then he's just come through and done that. That the saying that the there game was an was earlier dead. foul, yeah, yeah and that maybe an earlier foul, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Manchester City two, Brighton one. So Trossard pulling one back for Brighton. Haaland with both goals to City now 17. Can you believe that in the Premier League this season in the Championship? Uh, Blackpool 4, Preston 3, 2, a result 4-2 to Blackpool against Preston. A yellow card for Zaha. Uh, Blackburn 2, Birmingham 0, uh, as latest Middlesbrough 0, Huddersfield 0, Millwall 1, West Brom 1, QPR 2, Wigan 1, it is Rotherham 1, Hull 3, uh, Reading 1, Bristol City 0, uh, Sheffield United 1, Norwich 2, uh, Stoke 0, Coventry 2 and Sunderland 2, 
Burnley 2 as uh, the referees looks like to be given more cards out there in that game he's uh, thrown them out they have been thrown around in Tala last night it's oh sort of gee, similar, look, yeah. similar Celtic beat Hearts 4-3 earlier at Tynecastle uh, Rangers Shank- he missed the penalty Hearts at 3-2 as well Shankland um, Rangers nil Livingston 1 is the latest the Rangers still behind Motherwell 1 Aberdeen 2 Aberdeen have just scored Kilmarnock 1 Ross County nil. St Mirren 1 Dundee United 1 we're going to take a break here in Football Saturday Dan McDonald, Graham Gartland and David Connolly on the line we're back after this Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports And you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk John Duggan as always with you through to five This is Football Saturday with uh, the football correspondent of the Irish Independent Dan McDonald, their former Republic of Ireland striker David Connolly and the League of Ireland legend Graeme Gartland all with us You can listen on News Talk also watch us across YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter and uh, the app for anybody who wants to watch us uh, this afternoon. Everton 2, Crystal Palace nil, Manchester City 2, Brighton 1 in the Premier League. Nottingham Forest beat Liverpool 1-0 earlier on. I'm just going to get the teams up here for Chelsea Man United, Dan, but before I do so, Rovers, Shamrock Rovers effectively wrapped up that League of Ireland title last night. Well, they basically did, yeah. I mean, like again, there's so much happening in the football world at the moment that like last Sunday they draw in Drada and you think, oh, this is, this is nervy. Like There was a situation where Shamrock Rovers play Derry next Sunday um, and there was a plausible scenario where they could be level going into that game or certainly you know, Derry knowing they win that game to, to go top with a game to go but as it is this season and like Rovers have got a bit of stick because they haven't they haven't really performed at a good level in the group stage um, they've been managing sort of the, the league title race they've been managing it on two fronts and Graham would obviously know he's, he's should have been doing media for most of the games <laughs> um, but they've, they've sort of found it a little bit hard to, to juggle but in fairness to them like they've been under pressure every single week whereas Derry they've been under the radar but there's been a couple of times this season where Derry have had a chance to put pressure on Rovers and they haven't done it and I think last night's another one they, they've drawn when they look to win and basically long story short Rovers 1-0 down early last night they came back and they won well a few dodgy referee indecisions but I don't even think people from Pat speaking to them they would have issues with the decisions but they wouldn't have any issue with the result um, they're 8 points clear now Rovers and really yeah like they, they, they're, they're champions on Monday if Derry don't win in Sligo but either way Rovers just need to draw against Derry next weekend and even if they were to lose that they, they could draw on the last day and they win so I mean Graeme you know the people there very well like they've um, I sense there was a little bit of hurt there like, in some of the grief they've taken and some of the comments last night it was a sense of they, they don't like people saying they're tired but there was a, an element of a statement about what they did yeah, yeah. I think we, you know in isolation if you took if you just look at the league in isolation they're on course to have a better season than they did last year they finished on 78 points last season they could, they could finish on 79 this season yeah do you know what I mean so they've conceded less goals than they did last season they, they're probably around about the same in terms of goals scored um, so they're on course to have a similar season to what they did last year the, the, the difference issue is the second place team have got a little bit closer that's all obviously the Europa League God the Europa Conference stuff as well is added to that and the fact that they maybe haven't performed as well as they would have liked they, in they that. found it harder they I think, think than yeah. they thought maybe they might have to balance yeah. like they're playing Ghent on Thursday yeah and there's almost a sense of it's sli- yeah it has. talking about yeah. it and it should be a bigger thing than it, than it has been they haven't been able to 
do themselves justice maybe but the one thing that they have and because uh, I, I kept getting asked what do you think do, you know do you think they'll get over the line and all this and I says yeah I, it's not like that they're chasing the first league title here they're in the driving seat they've won two already they're chasing the tour they have the experience to see it out Stephen has the experience as a manager to see it out as well uh, and it's a different animal and there you had to get used to this and I seen it with Sligo on Pats last season any time they had a chance to put pressure on Shamrock Rovers any game they had to even go level with them they failed to win the games to even put them in in with a chance of having a go at them and winning when you're expected to win is a tough thing to do and this Rovers team have been able to do that for the last three seasons and whenever they're not even backs to the wall but whenever they have to come out and produce a performance they're able to do it and the home record this season is what's basically yeah, going to carry them to the goes. title like you know yeah. uh, Shelburne have beaten Slagger Rovers 2-0 in the Women's National League Dior Waves 3-0 up already against 3 United uh, Cork City Bohemians 5 o'clock P-Mount against Wexford Youths 5-20 Athlone against Galway 7 o'clock four changes for Chelsea for this match against Manchester United. So Thiago Silva, Ben Chilwell, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Raheem Sterling all come into the team. The team is Kepa in goal. Uh, we have uh, Trevor Shalaba, uh, Thiago Silva and Kukurea in the back three. Across the middle, Aspilicueta, the captain, uh, Jorginho, Loftus-Cheek and Chilwell. Then up front, we have Mount and uh, Sterling behind Aubameyang. Just the one change for United. Your buddy uh, Fred has been dropped. Uh, David Connolly. Uh, uh, I, w- I wouldn't. Ca- I wouldn't call that dropped. I'd, I'd say he's, he's definitely just freshened it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's, yeah. he's freshened it up. Uh, interestingly, for Chelsea, right? Yeah. I mean, Graham Potter, kind of opposite to um, Eric Ten Hag here, you know, because he brought Aubameyang on the other day. You know, the 81st minute, left him on the bench. Why? Why did he leave him on the bench? Because he had already booked him in to play this game. So that is the, the man management. And I know we've, we've, we've done Ronaldo to death, but, but obviously Ronaldo, um, you know, so, so, so there we go. We knew, we knew Aubameyang would come in. Um, yeah, a couple of changes, Correa and Chilwell on that left-hand side. No, no Reese James, so obviously yeah, injured, he's yeah. out. But so, that, so that's good. That's good for United. Um, it doesn't matter whether Ericsson comes in for Fred. You yeah, know, does, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. yeah that, that, that energy that they need. Um, not no real surprise, but Fred was was great the other night. Uh, David De Gea in goal, so it's uh, Delo, Varane, Martinez, and Shaw. We have uh, uh, Casemiro and Eriksen, and then in the pivot, and then the kind of the advanced players: Anthony, Bruno, Fernandez, Jaden Sancho, all behind Marcus Rashford. I'm telling you, folks, Brazil going to win that World Cup. Every single Brazilian player is playing well at the moment. They're all dying to impress Chichi, and they're going to win that World Cup. Uh, so that's the definitive statement here. Uh, they're going to be peaking at the wrong time, John. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that, 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 that could be the opposite. Well, that's it. It's but, like uh, yeah. it's, it's the players who aren't doing anything at the moment are just saving yeah. themselves. And Bappe or someone's just yeah, going to explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's you know? you're probably right. You're probably right. 3 1 now to Manchester City. Kevin De Bruyne um, with the third goal for City. Uh, just on. Um, what was I going to say? But Kai Osaka, David Connolly, he, uh, he is really the man at Arsenal. They've won nine games out of ten. What, what are his attributes? What, what is making him the, the, the main man at the moment with the Gunners? No, I mean, he's, he's class. You know, he is, he is absolutely brilliant. You know, runs forward, attacks, attacks the, the back line. We saw him the other day against PSV, you know, um, always threatening him behind. You know, can mix his game up can go down down the outside obviously he comes on the inside he can finish he's got a great attitude I love that he's he's got a smile on his face you know that there doesn't seem to be any pressure on this kid or he doesn't really seem to show it um, now nah, he's he's absolutely brilliant I've got to say I saw Arsenal I think I said this a couple of weeks we saw him against Brentford you know and had a new 
sort of appreciation of them because they're absolutely outstanding and uh, in every way. They're massive at the back. They are huge, you know, Gabriel, Ben White, you know, Saliba. They're, they're, they're a really big back line, you know, um, can, can deal with threats sort of in the air, can cope on the ground. They're mobile. Uh, Odegaard has probably got the best brain in the Premier League. If there's someone who can pick a pass better than him, show me. Maybe De Bruyne. Um, so, no, they're, 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 they're brilliant. What about Antonio Conte? He's telling his players to get angry. Uh, he said he was angry after the game. Uh, he gets angry if they lose. Uh, obviously, he's such a winner. I'd be a bit worried if I was a Spurs fan that his wife and daughter are still in Italy. Um, there's always a feeling with me that Conte can just quit at any moment. And if he doesn't feel that things are 100% right, that he might quit. It's obvious that Richarlison and Kulusevski are missing at the moment. And, you know, that's affecting the team a bit. But like that, that was the best Spurs team that could have been out there last uh, Wednesday against United. And they were very limited. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. They were. I don't know what the other lads felt, but I mean, I thought Eric Dyer was. He looked like a, a bag of nerves. Um, Yves Basuma was really bad as the holder. Like, it, it touch got away from him a few times. We all know how they play, right? Deep and on the counter. But I just thought individually, forget tactics. You know, I just thought individually, a few of the players were just were just way off it, way off the, the sort of level that you'd want them to be, and. Um, by their standards, right? We're talking by their standards to go and compete with Man U. It seemed like they, they, they were they didn't really expect United to play with that that ferocity or an intensity. And yeah, a couple of them had uh, had some real bad before. Well, below their level for sure. I wonder will Doherty keep his place in the team because um, Emerson has been suspended recently, and we'll we'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, Newcastle uh, under Eddie Howe. It's funny, you talk about players, um, managers getting the best out of players. Almiron is an example of that with Eddie Howe, for example, David. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Eddie's really interesting, right? Because um, whenever, whenever he's manager of Bournemouth, right, if they ever had a free weekend, international breaks or whatever, and I'd, I'd go to a lot of games in England, for some reason I'd always bump into him at games. Always. And you talk about managers grafting, working, and growing with notice when you're part of the coaching staff managing. I mean, he'd be at, he'd be at lower league games doing his own recruitment, but probably because he had to, right? At, at Bournemouth, trying to find players, um, you know, turn them into diamonds or whatever. And he's he's one of these managers that coaches. He absolutely coaches. He's on the grass, working really hard. I'm so pleased that he's gone well for him. You know, young manager with a young assistant. Um, and they're, they're obviously, they've spent a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but, you know, he's having, a, he's having a great season. I'm just really pleased, and I'm so pleased for Miggy Almiron because he's one of those players that like, even the lads, like, fellow pros are kind of mocking him, like Jack Grealish, you know, and he's, he's ended up sort of, yeah. you know, the fans love him. The fans, absolutely, and they've, the fans have loved him, not just this season, the fans have loved him since he's been there. You know, he is, uh, the fans love him, make no mistake. If you're a Newcastle fan... You won't have many bad words against Miggy Alvon. They think he's brilliant, and that's that's before this season. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Grealish is nearly getting the best out of Almiron, really. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, Good man management from Grealish. Uh, when you think about that, though, <laughs> like... manager or coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it was an extraordinary thing to happen. Like, it was... I mean, it was sort of funny to, to see someone that unfiltered, but... Like, the, the, I'm here with two, the two ex-footballers. Like, there's probably an element of a code there that, you know... Having a go at a player who's lying, you feel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. I would have thought so. Yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah. You know, I'm, just, I'm sure privately all the time, like people will talk about Everton players, scored a third, but play, you know, players you don't rate or whatever it yeah, might be. Yeah. But like when you're after winning the league, it was so 
random. It was weird. The whole yeah. thing was so random. Yeah. Um, down, isn't it, a little bit yeah, to that yeah, extent? Yeah, like, yeah, I just yeah. won the league and you're sort yeah. of slaughtering other players or other clubs. I just, yeah, I thought it lacked class, actually. It looks like it's Dwight McNeil who's got the goal for the Toffees. 3 0 against Crystal Palace. Palace are not good on the road. Good at home, but they're not good on the road. I'm mm. um, just looking here. It's oh, a great like, This is a bit of brilliant trickery here. Was it? Did he take it the whole way? Dwight McNeil. Oh, it was a, oh, a beautiful. Oh, 1 2. And then he buried it. That is a fantastic goal from Everton. Yeah, Everton. Uh, Trending upwards at the moment. Well, that's it. Know? It's uh, Frank Lampard's the new Lampard Stephen Gerrard. beating Gerrard. <laughs> yeah. There you go. McNeil yeah. weaving his way through a flick there and uh, yeah, one two and he put it into the back of the net, the uh, former Burnley man. I think that was a Wobie again with the assist. Yeah. Uh, so Everton three, Crystal Palace nil, Manchester City three, Brighton one. Uh, you, you were up early with the draw this morning, Graham Garfield. Yeah, I was, I was. Australia, Canada, and Nigeria for the women's team next. My son woke me up. He was saying the draw's on for Ireland, and uh, the, the flag, you know, they see the Ireland flag on the telly and they're excited. And then, uh, yeah, it's a great draw. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who works with Sky, and uh, he's delighted about it. Um, every, every country would have a lot of ex Irish people living there. I think Australia, I think the opening game. Australia v Ireland will be similar to what probably USA 94 was with Joint Stadium with the amount of Irish yeah. flocking yeah. to it. Uh, Australia obviously being the host nation, it's going to make for a spectacular event, especially the, I think, like you said, the host nation playing. Uh, it's going to be brilliant. There's a lot of Irish in Canada. There's a lot of Nigerians here as well in Ireland. We've seen that with, when Brazil got to the World Cup and the amount of Brazilians that, who are living in Ireland got... Um, flooded town as well to support them so every every country that you're playing has a connection but um, yeah it's a great group for Ireland and I can't wait for the opening game I think that's one to really look forward to yeah I think it's probably a tough enough well I don't know like sort of listening to people who would be very much on top of it there would have been a feeling that there was like eight top seeds and the two best options probably were the hosts even though you are playing the yeah. hosts um, New Zealand would have been probably a better option Um you know Australia's ranking has probably dropped because they haven't been playing competitive games but Ireland did beat Australia in a friendly what maybe the year before last um, Canada would be I mean what won the Olympic gold like they would be ranked seventh in the world so they would strike you as quite a strong second seed um, so that that is difficult and that that could well be a key key game and then the fourth seeds yeah like uh, I was actually trying to look at this and the African nations haven't performed especially well at the World Cup, but Nigeria seems to be always there. Um, they're backed by Nike a lot, aren't they, Nigeria? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, backed they, by, by Nike a lot because due to that jersey sales. Like, okay, you know. yeah. Like, so I think, you know, Ireland, I mean, it's I mean, Ireland are third seeds, probably third favourites, you know, and, and so deservedly enough so. But um, they have this ability, like, they actually enjoy adversity, that team. The, yeah. the, games, the games where they're the underdogs, the first two games, you'd imagine. Um, it might actually be suited to them and it's that last game if they can somehow just stay in it and uh, Dave would know about these group situations it's don't lose your first game you know stay in it and then you've got a chance in that third game against Nigeria to win and stay in it but for the supporters it's great like you know they're a bit of tr maybe travel involved but they're in Brisbane you get a bit of sun that time of the year and, and Perth as well um, so I think socially and the experience will be excellent but football wise they've, they've got a chance that's how they play isn't it they yeah play, they are they, yeah. they're a counter attack team Ireland they, they yeah. sit in so they're, like, they're a bit like Jacks they're not the purest choice no, no, they, no they sit in but they're happy they find a way they do find yeah. a way and even I think Kate McCabe came out and said it this is the way we play we love it we yeah. love it and do you know do you have a chance in the game Like, has it been on your radar their qualification David over in the UK 
Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, uh, it comes up on my timeline, you know, online, obviously, we're following it. Um, brilliant result against the Scots. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, I uh, pinged up this morning, the group. So, um, yeah, very, yeah, ah, look, it's great. It's great. My daughter, she doesn't play anymore, but she used to play. She was at Arsenal, and I, I, I've stood on the sideline at girls and women's football for, you know, five years. So, um a huge fan of. of, of uh, have you seen much of a change football. in it, David, in those five years? Would you have seen a, a bit bigger interest in it? Yeah, even I mean, investment. I, look, I, yeah, I, I have, and I got to say, um, this is my my experience of when my daughter was at Arsenal. Let me tell you, it was as well done as any men, you know boys' men's academy football. The, the the care and attention to detail was just outstanding. Um, now she she's sort of gone off to do different things now, but. But, you know, it, it was amazing. And she played for a local all-girls team. And, you know, some boys' teams. I was at a game this morning, uh, my young lad playing, and there was a couple of girls in the mixed team. You know, you wouldn't even... Everyone look, everyone just plays, right? If you're good enough, you just play. And my my other son, who's 12, um, he, had a, he had a girl in his team for a number of seasons. You know, the ability was irrelevant. And, and it kind of has been that way for... For a number of seasons, although I was reading, I was just reading from Marie Crow that the biggest probably issue, you know, back back in Ireland would be the weather and the facilities. Like I was just reading, like all the games that have been off. Yeah, you know? yeah. Schoolboy, we have this, we have this issue every year, Dave. I, I'm yeah. a, I'm involved in in schoolboy and underage stuff, and what happens is we like the DDSL and, and the leagues would be winter season so they go yeah. obviously August through to, to March and then yeah. the League of Ireland is obviously summer season but they just the amount of games called off the weekends because ah, of, terrible. yeah, and it's we don't have the facilities we don't have enough Astros no. you don't have enough facilities no. even with the energy crisis coming now the, like you've ex- you need floodlights on longer because of the darker months and it's going to cost the clubs more money because of that I, I just yeah. don't get it I mean, the only parallel I can give you, which, you know, and it happens like over here in England as well, but when I played in Holland, right, Northern Europe and the amount of artificial pitches they have, 3G pitches, whatever, you know, I've got mates and they might have a 3G, I think it's every, within every three miles, there's a, a, a 3G pitch or something. I mean, the statistics are incredible for a small country like Holland are able to then play through the winter, right, in similar weather to Ireland, right? It, 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 you know, yeah. it wouldn't be too dissimilar. The point being, the football doesn't stop because of the weather, whereas obviously in Ireland it does. And that's that's the real challenge, not enough facilities. We've we got to leave it there. David Connolly, brilliant insight as always. Thanks so much. Take care, guys. Thanks, David. Thanks, Dave. And Graham Gartland and Dan McDonald. Thanks so much, folks. You can tell us if there's been a, a late goal. At the moment, it's Everton 3, uh, Crystal Palace nil in injury time in the Premier League and Manchester City 3, Brighton 1. So City back to winning ways today. Nottingham Forest beat Liverpool by a goal to nil. Enjoy your holidays, John, by the way. You're Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. Back on the, the week of the World Cup. So yeah. I won't see you in the studio. Three weeks, until, is it? Uh, yeah, three weeks, yeah. The other Why side we've... of Christmas, John, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, there's, there's always WhatsApp. Yeah. Uh, Blackpool 4, Preston 2, a result from the Championship. Uh, Blackburn 2, Birmingham 1, a latest score. It's finished Middlesbrough nil, Huddersfield nil. These are latest scores. Millwall 1, West Brom 1, QPR 2, Wigan 1, Reading 2, Bristol City 0, Rotherham 1, Hull 4, Sheffield United 2, Norwich 2, so Sheffield United coming from 2-0 down, Sunderland 2, Burnley 4, and a result Stoke 0, 
Coventry 2 in Scotland. Celtic beat Hearts 4-3 at Tynecastle earlier. Rangers won Livingston 1 in injury time. Motherwell won Aberdeen 2 as a latest score. Kilmarnock won Ross County 0. And it has finished St Mirren 2 Dundee United won. So thanks, Dan, and thanks, Graham. We've got to leave it there. Back tomorrow with Off the Ball 1 to 7. Joe Malloy in the chair here on News Talk. We're going to showcase two live and exclusive commentary games from the Premier League. First up at two, Southampton versus the leaders, Arsenal. Stephen Doyle and Brian Kerr calling that one. Then Nathan Murphy and Keith Tracy describing the match involving Spurs and Newcastle. That kicks off at half four in North London. All goes to the Sunday paper review across our digital and social channels from half 11 with Gavin Casey and Shane Keegan. Be sure to join us tomorrow, folks, for some great commentaries and conversation if you missed any of that interview with Vera Pau reacting to the World Cup draw uh, on that show uh, 1.40 we had that earlier today or any of OTB Football Saturday with David Connolly Graham Gartland or Dan McDonnell you can find the podcasts of our content on the OTB Sports app or wherever you get your pods on Spotify or wherever you get your pods thanks for so much for listening to us on your radio today across the country here on News Talk we will speak tomorrow at 1 with Joe bye bye Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports